0: Hi, guys. We just wanted to thank you for sticking with us this week. Uh, We had some technical difficulties earlier, and so we had to re-record a big portion of this week's uh, Motel Hell episode. But we wanted to say thank you, and thank you, thank you, thank you, and uh, we appreciate you being here and looking out for us. And Please enjoy this week's episode of Motel Hell.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Harb's List of Podcast. I am one half of your hosting deal with JP Nunez, and as always, I am joined by my co-host Sean Parker. How's it going, Sean?
0: I don't, I don't even know anymore. I don't, you know. Why do you even ask me this question? I don't even know what to say. You are just breaking me down week after week. Or you know, it, that's that's my strategy.
1: You know, that's what I want to do. That's,
0: that's it. why they
1: pay me the big bucks.
0: I did rearrange. <laughs> I did rearrange my um, some of my movies this weekend. Uh,
1: oh, nice. Did you put Did you put them in the right order?
0: You know, I did not do what you think. Oh, Sean.
1: <laughs> Sean, I, I, you know, for a second there, for a second there, I thought maybe, maybe Sean has finally seen the light. But no.
0: No, but if you really want to know.
1: I'm, I'm not even, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed.
0: They are organized by what company <laughs> they belong
1: to. Yeah, okay. That's terrible. <laughs>
0: but all right all right (laughs) that's just the ones i haven't seen the other ones are still in the a A through z order so oh man yeah no you're not gonna get me there i i like being able to find shit that's uh i can find i can uh, find
1: i can find any movie i have you ask me where a movie is and i can go right to it i don't
0: i don't know that you know i don't know that i want to play that game in 10 years though you know what i mean Getting I mean, I'll, I'll,
1: a... <laughs> I mean, maybe you maybe you are. I'm I'm getting younger. I'm like Benjamin Button.
0: Oh, well, it's gotta be nice. Yeah. I mean, until you're a baby.
1: <laughs> yeah, it'll be a smart baby because I'll have all that experience,
0: right? Do you think that's how it works? Uh, you know what's weird about you? So what's weird about the Benjamin Button thing is? Do you think like. The ba- Well, I guess babies kind of do have dementia, like as they're undeveloped and they're just sort of like rambling about like, oh, he did this thing to me and then we had pudding and there was a monster, you know, like, and I, I'm i pretty sure mm-hmm. it's just, the same. <laughs> it's just it's yeah. the same thing, just backwards. <laughs>
1: pretty much, pretty much, yeah.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't wish that on anyone, no. I'm not looking forward to your baby years, JP.
1: Well, you know, you're gonna have to deal with it on the podcast, though. So. Too bad. I'll get Brendan. Okay.
2: <laughs> Let's replace him with Brendan. Oh, I mean, right. I'm sure.
1: <laughs> Fine. <laughs> be like that, you aegis.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> all right. So we've got a we've got an exciting episode this week. Uh, Ricky Glory is going to be with us uh, to talk about Motel Hell, uh, and he has a project. Uh, He's launching a Kickstarter for his new movie, Open House. And we're very excited about it here. It's a horror comedy musical. And if you've seen Ricky's first film, All Your Friends Are Dead, uh, you know what he's capable of. You know that he Mm -hmm. is extremely funny and uh, he likes to put things together in this in this sort of warped way, but also have uh, humanizing aspects and and everything. Um, JP, did you get to see All Your Friends Are Dead?
1: I did. I did. I really liked it. what you
0: think. Yeah, good. It, All right. It's good.
1: Yeah. It, it, it's it's not the kind of horror that I typically go for. Uh cuz I'm not I like could a slasher movie and I'm not a huge slasher guy. Yeah. But I like I like slashers that are well done. And I think this movie is is well done. It has good characters. Um they're not just, you know, kind of throwaway filler or fodder for for the killer, you know? Um they have personalities. They're just they're different you know they're unique. You know fleshed out people, um, and I think the the kills like it has it has a bit of a jalo feel to it, uh, especially that yeah. first kill.
0: You know, yeah, especially that first kill. Yeah, I'll yeah, like yeah, that too. Uh, which um, uh, which
1: I like. So so yeah, you know, heart good heart. It's fun, It's hilarious. You know. So it's, it's pretty much everything I would I would want it to be.
0: Very cool. All right. Uh, so before we get to that, though, before we get into motel hell and all that that entails, uh, we do want to just talk a little bit about what's going on at Hobbs. Uh, kind of. I've been quiet. I, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I I haven't been doing much. I, I um, just uh, maybe it was a tough month for me personally. So like we're just coming out of that now and and I'm uh, moving on. We're going to have uh, Chattanooga uh, Film Festival to look forward to. And I can't wait, JP. Uh, Chattanooga Film Fest is there's so much good stuff coming. Like there's so much stuff where I'm like, Ooh, I want to see, Ooh, I want to see that. Ooh, I want to see that. Um, so the other thing is, is they're almost out of badges. If anyone out there is interested in seeing any of the films at Chattanooga Film Fest, because it is, there's a hybrid version and there's a virtual version. If you want to do the virtual version, get it quick. <laughs> Cause uh, they're almost done. They're almost all sold out. And um, yeah, if there's, just go on and look at the list of films that you're going to see. You're going to see like, I would say 50 to 60 feature length films. And then another like 50 to six, actually probably even more shorts, probably almost a hundred shorts. So, um, yeah, it's, it's incredible. And any, and I am jealous of anybody that actually gets to go to this thing because they're doing like a tales from the crypt pop-up. Uh, there's going to be a whole bunch of tales from the crypt events. Um, they've got the monster squad. They got the pumpkin pie show, uh, there is, oh, and um, they're doing Onyx the Fortuitous. I don't know if you've heard of this movie, Onyx the Fortuitous and no, the Talisman Souls. Jeffrey Combs and Barbara Crampton are in it. Um, Ooh, okay, I'm yeah, ready, right? And um, it's it's this it's this one guy's thing. I saw it at Sundance. I, it, for me, it wasn't like it didn't really gel. I kind of want a second chance at it. I kind of want to see it again with a different sort of view on it. Um, and it's really it, it's really this guy that's. Uh, Kind of quirky, kind of, he goes to, he's more of a, like, gothic kind of character. Let's put it that way. Um, And he goes to the the home of Bartok the Great, who is played played by Jeffrey Combs, who is, like, his, I don't know, idol, I guess. Uh, He's, like, his idol. Hmm. And Mm -hmm. he, like, is trying to be impressive, but he's also, like, super awkward. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and okay, the, meanwhile okay. Bartok has this has this weird like thing where he's trying obviously he's trying to like kill everybody in the room or something like so there's a whole bunch of shit going on on that and uh well Onyx is going to be the the person that plays Onyx is going to be at uh Chattanooga Film Festival and they're doing a huge party in a haunted house you actually it's a haunted hotel um and they're gonna have that party going on uh Lovecraft uh who is sort of a a electronic band, whatever you want to call it. Uh, they've worked with Madonna and Rihanna and uh, the lead oh, wow. singer oh, was right. in Hocus Pocus two as like uh, Sam skeleton mm. who was on stage and um, they're going to be there. They're going to be doing one of the parties. Uh, there's just so much stuff going on there. I'm jealous of anybody that's, that's actually going to uh, Chattanooga film. Festival. So I even looked at tickets. I just couldn't afford it. <laughs>
1: so, so when, uh, when is the festival?
0: Oh, yeah, I should probably promote that. Um yeah, it's probably. the end of the month. It is June 23rd through the 29th. Uh, just the weekend is going to be like the in-person stuff and then it's extended out for the rest of the week for uh, virtual.
1: Okay. And where's it going to be?
0: Chattanooga. <laughs> oh, that that makes sense. <laughs> Chattanooga, Tennessee. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh yeah, if if you get the chance, if you're in the area, I say you guys should uh, definitely check it out. There's going to be so much stuff going on. There's so much stuff to look forward to there. Even right, if you go awesome. for just a day, like seriously, just take it mm-hmm. all in because there's there's so much going on. Awesome. Yeah, so that's what I'm up to. I don't know what your uh, what you got going on. So uh, why don't you tell us?
1: So uh, so I saw the boogeyman. Um... That's the new movie from Rob Savage. He's the guy who directed A Host uh in 2020 and also um Dashcam uh was it last year I think. Um, so, uh, th- I've been looking forward to this movie, uh, you know, ever since I heard about it, cause Rob Savage, he did a great job with host, uh, wasn't a huge fan of Dashcam, but I thought the horror in it was really, really good. So, so i was looking forward to this one.
0: I didn't go for Dashcam. I, I I had heard a lot of just flat out bad things about yeah, it. So, so, the, so I never, I never made it.
1: Yeah. The problem with Dashcam is that it, it just, uh, the main character is so unlikable. And like it, it, it like the movie's well executed. It's just that I think he just made that they just made that one bad decision to make the character main character so unlikable that it just it just kills the experience. Like you can't enjoy everything else that's done so well.
0: Yeah, hear it know? gets super right wing and, and political, and and not that horror isn't political, but uh, I mean a lot of the a lot uh, from what I've heard is it's very propagandizing
1: i mean the, the, yes but that's not even my problem with it it's just she's just a terrible terrible person and you just can't root for her so like even yeah. if, well, if i for for me i think even if somebody does agree with that with like, with that character like she's just a terrible person it's like regardless of you know the i mean i'm not saying i agree with her
0: but like Oh no, I'm not saying regardless. no, I'm not saying that you did yeah, yeah. right. no, <laughs> I, I know, I'm, I'm, No, I yeah. get what you're saying. I get you know, um I yeah. think you know view, viewpoints are yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um anyway, right, so but anyway, be- Boogeyman. So yeah.
1: Boogeyman, yeah. So it's based on a Stephen King story, a short story that he wrote. Um i I'm, I'm a big Stephen King fan, but I've never read this particular story. Um, and basically, uh, the movies about, uh, it's about a family. There's, there's a father and two daughters. Um, they, they just lost their mother, uh, recently. And, um, and they're, they're still reeling from, from that loss. Um, and then one day, uh, this, this guy goes to visit the father cause he's a therapist and he goes to visit the father to get some help. Um, and basically he brings in some sort of darkness into the family and this monster, the, the boogeyman, starts targeting the family, especially the kids. Um so it, it it's kind of a, a plot-wise kind of a generic kind of a monster movie. Um and so the for me like the plot and the characters were just good enough, they were decent enough, but the scares in this I thought were fantastic. Um, the way Rob Savage uses sound, especially like it's it's just really really good, and that that for me elevated the movie above what it otherwise would have been, so I enjoyed it
0: okay um uh, no, I've been hearing a lot of mixed things I've heard that uh I've heard some people just call it flat out silly mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've heard some people call it uh um more jump scares than than plot it really 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 and then yeah. Like, you know, so it, it's a, I guess it depends on what you're in for. Like, I mean, yeah. if you're going just for for the scare factor, then
1: then I, that you know? that's pretty much the reason to watch this movie. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, I thought about going to see it last night. I just I didn't make it. I ended up watching um a, a slew of uh Bach, um vinegar syndrome and Severn films. OK. Um. Yeah. So I, I ended up watching like graduation day rush week and the cellar. And uh, Alien from the Abyss, and I topped it all off this morning with Dunwich Horror, because i okay, <laughs> like that. Uh, so yeah, um, just on a tear of, uh, of, of stuff that I got in my collection here.
1: Ah, oh, nice, nice. So, so, so let me. So, are you going to put those Blu-rays in your collection the right way?
0: Like, Even mean alphabetically, yes. Absolutely. No,
1: no, 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 yeah, no, yeah. no See, I said yeah, the, the r- right way. way, not the <laughs> wrong way, Sean. I think you misheard me.
0: You know? No, I, I, I did not. No,
1: no, I think you did. You did. You, you clearly did. Ah. <sighs> anyway. Anyway. Uh so just uh just two others uh real quick that are that are coming out this week. Uh so we got the shudder movie Brooklyn forty five, uh, which my review sh- for that should be up uh around the time this episode uh, goes up as well, uh, comes out uh, on show to this Friday, June 9th. It's about these five World War II veterans. So it's set in 1945. It's so like right after World War II. It's about these five, uh, you know, military veterans who were friends and they get together. One of them's a widower. He just lost his wife. Um, they get together to kind of support him. And he, he wants to hold a the seance. They do. And then bad stuff happens. Um, it's a really simple premise, really simple setup, but it's really, really good. Uh, great horror, great characters. Um, it's a ghost story that's way more than just a ghost story. Um, there's a lot more to this than just, hey, there's some ghosts coming around and spooking things. Um, and it has a really great message, too. Um, so I'd, I'd highly recommend highly recommend that one. Uh, have you seen this one at any of your festivals? I know
0: no, Brendan um, saw been- it. I, yeah, Brendan got yeah, to see it, with, uh, it Ted Gagin and, um, and Larry, Larry Festenden. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I, I'm like, wow, that's that's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm jealous, <laughs> to say the least. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm excited for this one. Everybody's told me that it's a it's a pretty good time. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. It's great. Um, I also heard you saw uh, you. Oh, you, I had, I've already seen it, but you saw. Uh, the angry black girl and her monster.
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. I loved this movie. Um, Yeah. So this one comes out uh, it comes out I think in theaters on June 9th like select theaters and then on VOD uh, 13th I think it is. I don't have... Yeah, it's coming. It's coming shortly.
0: It's it's, um, is it going right to Shutter or is it? No, it's
1: it's not going right to Shutter. It's hitting select theaters first, uh, and then it's going to VOD, and then it's going to Shutter at some unspecified date
0: in the future. It's a it's a good Mm -hmm. one though. So this is I I totally understand this release schedule for this movie. Um, uh, this is a concept that I don't understand why I hadn't already. But like, I watched this movie and I was like, this is so good like the way mm-hmm. that it's all integrated together is just, it, it comes out phenomenally because it's really mm-hmm. um, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein from sort of a inner city urban like dynamic. Mm-hmm. And
1: yeah, exactly.
0: I, I go, this should have been done. It, like, I feel like this should have been done 30 years ago with this, this mm-hmm. type of film. And the, yeah. Um, I think his name is ben- Amani J story who directed it.
1: Um, uh t- t- t-
0: t- t- yep mm-hmm. uh excellent excellent first feature i'm yeah. really excited for other people to see this i got to see this at uh boston underground film festival and uh yeah my mind was blown i i thought this was very good um and i think other people are really gonna enjoy it too this this is probably in contention for one of my top 10 spots oh yeah everybody.
1: it's it's definitely right now it's i think it's in my top five horror movies of the year so far, and it'll almost certainly end up in my top ten like i i i I'd, I'd be surprised if five more movies were better than it it's it's that good
0: yeah no i- bel- i absolutely agree mm-hmm. um yeah. Yeah, it is very good I would recommend this thing.
1: um there's there's a a new new movie coming out uh, I have a review up on the website uh called uh, the movie's Falcon lake um it's a a drama kind of coming of age horror Uh, it's about this French kid uh, he and his family they go to Quebec for vacation for the summer and there he meets a girl named Chloe his name uh, Bastien and they they meet and they become friends and their relationship grows and blah 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 you know coming of age stuff and it's really why are you laughing Sean?
0: (laughs) blah 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 coming of age stuff
1: (laughs) yeah you know all that great stuff uh, no, the the plot is basically just like, it, it's just their relationship kind of as it grows. Um, and it's really well done. And it has a, it, it's, not, it's like 99% drama uh, with a little bit of horror thrown in there, but with a horror feel to it as well. Even the drama feels kind of like a horror movie.
0: Like, do you, um, when you say that, do you mean like, uh, have you seen Spring, Benson and Moorhead?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: like that, uh, it, that's it,
1: sort it, of... It, it's kind of like that except the horror is more um like the, the explicit like on-screen horror it's, it's even not that explicit but like the the actual horror is more just right at the end. You get like a little 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 dollop of horror.
0: Dollop, you know. It's just the dollop. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. I don't know if that'll be in my wheelhouse, but uh
1: Uh but it's 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 really good uh the acting's good. Uh, it's the movie looks beautiful. Atmosphere is great. Um, so that that movie comes out in select theaters, uh, probably very very select theaters, uh, on June second, um, and then it hits VOD uh, eleven days later on the thirteenth. Um, so if you guys are into you know like drama horror, that's more drama than horror, um, I think you guys really like this. So I highly recommend this movie.
2: Cool.
0: Man. Yeah, man, I I might yeah. check it out. You never know. I yeah, yeah. I, I'm easy, so I'll I'll watch anything.
1: All right, <laughs> do it, do it, do it.
0: <laughs> I think we should get Ricky in here now, and uh, he can he can take us back out of the drama horror aspects of things, and we can go right into to Motel <laughs> If you guys like people in pig masks with chainsaws, that's uh, that's that's up your.
1: I mean, your you only list. get a you only get a dollop of that
0: in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay, so. okay. But you also get uh planted corpses, you get oh eating well, well, cannibalism you, Oh whatever, fine. People you get people yeah, being you, planted. You get human
1: gardens, crowd. yeah, you know?
0: Yeah. Nice little human garden. The uh, yeah, yeah. slash throats and, and you get uh um cannibalism? Cannibalism, that was the word, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: you <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, you know, words are hard yeah
0: (sighs) i'm just not all here yet (laughs) yeah it's okay sean all right one day one of these days yeah i believe in you all right so we're here today with uh ricky glor uh he's gonna be talking about his new project uh which is a kickstarter right now for his next movie open house which i'm very excited about because we talked about it uh, a few well now it's a year a year ago when um all your friends are dead are coming out and uh you you said that this was like the, the big project for you like this was like the one that you had that you really wanted to do so i'm very excited for you that you're getting to do this um but uh first before we get into any of that we are going to start discussing our movie of the week which is motel hell you are yeah.
2: welcome, Sean and JP. <laughs> I do know if you had seen it, and I opened yeah. up your eyes. This was a once-a-year watch in the Glore household on VHS. Really? Yeah. <laughs> once this a is, year. Wow. This is one of those movies. This was like some families have Star Wars. Some families have Die Hard. Some people have the Rocky movies. Look, I had all of those and the James Bond movies, but also Motel Hell. And I didn't even before we even owned the single copy on VHS with that a beautiful artwork of the heads being planted and Ida and Vincent standing behind and the, <laughs> the neon sign. We had it on a what is it eight hour VHS tape because that's what we had was the recorded from uh, video rental stores. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hour, yeah. SL okay. Yeah, 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 I remember SLP. Yeah. SLP. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And so oh, we mind. had uh, Mountaintop Massacre, uh, which they used a lot of that plot for the movie Vacancy with um, Kate Beckinsale and Luke Wilson. Luke Wilson. Yeah, I was trying yeah. to think of which Wilson brother was. Mount- Mountaintop Massacre is very similar to that. So my dad used to uh, record movies off of Cinemax or rentals he would have two vcrs and before the tracking existed Mm -hmm. really that's how we had our movie collection so there was like mountaintop massacre there was care bears the movie there was return to oz and then there was motel hell at the end of the tape (laughs) why would you put two kids movies sandwiched between (laughs) (laughs) listen
0: we had plenty of those i think i think i had one that was uh something similar. i don't think it was care bears i think it was like fern gully and then at the end of it it was reservoir dogs so i don't know that you necessarily want to do those two together but um yeah i understand
2: <laughs> but i'm so happy that i got to expose you guys to this movie that is my favorite thing of of trying to bring back that vibe of the of the video store that we're never going to have back again because mm-hmm. we can be so yeah. passive aggressive and passe of when we're scrolling through Netflix or whatever streaming service, and we see this shitty artwork, or my wife, it feel like, feels like is the only person who doesn't have the radar for knowing what is straight to streaming or straight to video and what isn't. She's like, "Well, let's watch that." I'm like, "No, <laughs> look at that artwork! <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Like, we're not watching that. Like, that is clearly trash." Oh, no. I, You know what's funny yeah. is I've, I've gotten to the point where,
0: with Netflix especially, uh, I I just sit there and I don't even want to – like, I've gotten to the point where I don't even scroll through it anymore. I just look at what's on the front page and I go, I'm done here. I'm going to the next streaming, sir. Yeah, me too. So, me too. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you kill I, I that I haven't seen – yeah, I haven't even seen anything on like the front page recently that's made me want to stop and go. Let's check that out. You know what I and mean? It's like, so
2: what is that? Is it the physical thing of like the impulse of like having it in your hands? Because like when I went to our local video store, which was Showtime Video, because Blockbusters didn't have was good too
0: sections. Well, I mean, oh, yes. they
2: just they just didn't have the good shit. Like it was a drug dealer. Like it was watered down, <laughs> or it was like
0: it was the commercialized version of a video store. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: yeah, and so like. No, I,
0: I'm glad that you said that because I am on the same page as that. Like, we went to a local one called Avenue Video that was around here. Love and it. it and so much better. Like, in Horror Selection, I will absolutely agree with you because I used to walk by a uh, poster of Reanimator all the time in that video store that yes. scared the hell out of me as like a six year old boy. So <laughs> I was just scared of the artwork on that one. And um,
2: we yeah, Dead that Alive, said- too. Dead Alive is always. Yeah. yeah Dead I mean, Alive is dead alive reanimator and we mentioned this before the synchronicities of this is weird dreamscape which probably yeah. shouldn't have been in the horror section but it was and that poster freaked me out that i was just like nope like <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna watch that but i loved going through even if i couldn't rent them and just like looking at the box art and reading the back of the box and just being like what is this movie like the gate mm-hmm. i remember yeah. the first yeah. time So my oldest brother, John, um, who's like a good like 12 years older than me, um, was babysitting me for this long weekend. And he's like, I'll rent whatever you want. Mom and dad are away, like whatever you want. And so I got like Nightmare on Elm Street 4. I got like Hellraiser 3. I had not even even seen the ones leading up to it, but it was just purely picking the box art and not caring about the Roman numeral that was in the title (laughs) yeah and then I got the gate because of the metal just like awesome artwork of the hand coming out of the ground or whatever and I love that movie like I I'm I I solely miss because I wish I didn't have that knee-jerk cynical reaction to poor image art on like a Netflix or like not giving it the credence because I was so way more open I mean you are as a kid anyway when it's movie night yeah
1: yeah, yeah. Like,
2: if someone had been like, "Hey, you want to watch Motel Hell, man 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 man, 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 Like, you'd have been like, "Yeah, okay." As a kid,
0: <laughs> of course, of course. The, the um, no, I, I don't know. I, I, I still go for underdogs. I suppose. Um, realistically, I like. I sort of like the indie verse movies versus whatever like commercialized disaster I think Netflix is putting out. So it's. I would, I would much rather go for something with with cheap looking artwork that has, I don't know, a soul to it than, than that, than
2: I wish I could. I'm a broken, I'm a broken, uh, corporate capitalist pig. And like, (laughs) when I haven't heard of it, like, I'm just like, no, there's no way if I haven't seen an Instagram post about it or something like, and that's not the good, that's not the good way to look at it. I wish I was different, but I'm not. I I think think it's funny that you have a movie out. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. You have a movie that would fit that category. (laughs) When All Your Friends Are Dead pops up and they're like, I don't know any of these people.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think part of that also is because we have have just – we have like an almost infinite selection of movies to watch that now when we see something that looks – Lower budget, or that looks like it, or, or that or if we see something that looks like it even might not be great, or 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 as good as, as other stuff, we, we kind of had this impulse to think, oh well, you know, we can we we can we can always find something better. Mm-hmm. So I think you know, but 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 back in the day, you go to a video store, you have a much more limited selection, so you kind of you're kind of just stuck with what you have rest today, you're not. And so that, and if that kind of gives us this more feeling the of, dim- of-
2: There's more you know, the diamond in the rock. skip over anything. Yeah, you're doing better by comparison, which is the same as dating. And I'm not going to- Look, I'm going to blanket put all of us as, uh, as fucking nerds who weren't having sex up until a certain age. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe JP was uh, more of a poon hound than I think he was. But like-
1: <laughs> Maybe, maybe
2: not. <laughs> I mean- I kind of get the vibe that we're having a lot of lonely Saturday nights watching multiple movies and, um, and, and yeah, uh, doing some marathons with friends and playing some video games. Um, <laughs> but you're right. It's that, like, we treated movies almost like girls. It's that better by comparison of, like, okay, what is our selection? Okay, it's this. Okay, does the poster bring me in? I'll give this a chance because, man – the title is awesome. Like the poster is awesome. I don't know anybody who's in it, but it's like, it's what it's cannibal Holocaust. Like fuck, yeah. those are two metal words like put together. I will watch this and you'll watch it. And with horror, like I think what we do more than comedy or action or any other genre, it's like pizza. Like by the end of it, we still got to eat pizza. And that's cool. Mm-hmm. Like it's still yeah. good. Yeah. And so, like We're way more forgiving of like a lackluster horror because it's going to have one or two or three things that you're just going to be like, okay, the movie, maybe not that great, but man, I'm going to show this to three of my friends because this scene, this scene, and this scene, like they got to see, like they got to see this.
0: Yeah. I'll say that. I think horror is more amenable to scene by scene. Um, mm-hmm. Like yeah, say, definitely. like, there's definitely movies where I've been like, this isn't great, but there's this, this, and this in it, mm-hmm. um, you know. And I, I, do, I, I think uh, a lot of uh, horror films, especially in, especially in the indie sphere, you can just basically tag them by those scenes. Like even the first Terrifier film, I mean, it's not that great, but it has that one moment in it where, <laughs> where you're it's not going to forget it.
2: Upside down. That's and right. like everybody's talking about. It. So that's become the thing of like. It's now memeville. Is something a meme? If something yeah. a gif? Mm-hmm. Something that like has a screen grab that was pulled from it. It's no longer that word of mouth of, oh, here's that box art of that thing that I told you about that's so fucked up. Faces of Death. Yeah, faces. I can't remember when Faces of Death. It was just like, have you seen this one? And I'm like, is that the one with the monkey brains? Or is that the one with the guy in the electric chair? Or like, is that? There was just so much more word of mouth that I don't know makes it better, but it made it seem more taboo and cool, maybe Mm -hmm.
0: underground, whatever you want to call it. That just yeah.
2: Now we're just we're just three old middle aged dudes. Just being like that was when it was good. (laughs) That was when
0: film was film. Yeah. Uh, Yeah.
2: yeah, I don't know.
0: I, I I spent yesterday watching a ton of movies because I woke up Friday night with a Charlie horse Ooh. at one in the morning. <laughs>
2: Ooh, what was your yeah, So what fun. was, what were uh, three of the movies and what was your um, most surprised moment out of those three?
0: Uh, I will. Okay. So three of the movies, uh, alien from the deep, which now has yes. the title alien from the abyss. Yeah. Uh, the seller and okay. graduation day. Um, Graduation Day was probably my favorite out of, out of those three. Because I'm
2: pretty sure I recommended Graduation Day to you. Did you? I, I just have it, I have it in my like, thing. You may have. I think, I like say, up too. I think when we were talking um, Mother's Day, when we were tra- talking trauma movies, that Graduation Day I thought was one of the higher of the echelon of the trauma. And um, in my remembrance, there is a lot of... Um, I know what you did last summer in it. Maybe I felt like Scream. Like Scream. So maybe, okay, yeah, know, there's Kevin, Kevin Williams. Williamson, yeah, yeah. Um, for sure.
0: I, I said the same thing to JP earlier. So uh, yeah, I thought that that was probably the most surprising. I did not expect. Like, I mean, the killer is who? Like, you have an idea of two people who it could be, and it comes down. It comes down to that to those people that you think that it is. And that's not the surprising portion of it because the movie does like a, a a really nice twist at that moment. Mm -hmm. And I, I really enjoyed that. I thought I was like, okay, so it, it brought it home. It was well, you know, well written on that end to include Motivation, because sometimes you just get somebody out of the wild, and you're like, "Oh, it's that guy that you never saw coming." You go, "That makes no sense."
2: <laughs> I know. I, I'm notorious for dogging the Friday the Thirteenth movies, and I, I legit enjoy them for for different reasons other than um actually I think like pieces of art or like uh, influential pieces of horror. But to, like, I talked to Victor Miller, the writer, the writer of Friday the Thirteenth, and he admitted that the movie is a whodunit that you can't guess who did it because Mrs. Voorhees's <laughs> yeah. name is never mentioned in the whole fucking movie.
0: Like, yeah. and he said, he's like, mm-hmm. he's like, what I
2: wanted to write was I wanted to write a reverse psycho where you think it maybe is this boy who drowned and it turns out to be the mother instead of, That's Oh, it's the mother, but it turns out to be the son. And I was like, yeah, but don't you think it's a little bit of a, I don't remember what the term is I used, but I was like, don't you remember, don't you admit that it's a little bit of like a bullshit that you can't guess who the killer is until Betsy Palmer (laughs) appears. And she's like, my son was Jason Voorhees and he died here. He was not a good swimmer. Like all of that. And then you're like, well, this bitch is the killer.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's an immediate. Oh, oh, it was her.
2: <laughs> she does um, a great, like Betsy Palmer is so good in it. Oh yeah, she's excellent. Yeah, that it's great. But mm-hmm. even if there had been that mention in that opening scene with the um, uh, is her name Annie? The first girl who gets picked up uh, by Mrs. It was Voorhees. Adrian King. The first girl when she goes into like the diner and the trucker who ends up giving her the ride, but she goes in there and she's like, I'm going to camp blood. Oh, she doesn't get, get camp blood. But she, and everyone's just like, no, you shouldn't go there. Um, there should have been at least a mention of, something of like, oh yeah, blah, blah, blah. And Mrs. Voorhees, you know, we haven't seen her in years, but she used to work. Like there should have been at least like, the mention okay. of her name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah Where yeah. I think, like, regardless of what you say now, and this is going to be a side rant on the screen series <laughs> is you watch scream one. And I think Matthew Lillard and Skeet Ulrich knew they were the killers because there are these little, nods and these little foreshadows throughout the movie, like at the fountain scene at the video st- store scene. And I know that it's a bunch of little red herrings, but like yeah. they're not playing so much against the crazy version of them at the end. Once they reveal that, that they're the killers, which I love now yeah. in these now in scream five and six in particularly for a little bit, but I, I like Kevin Williamson's script for the most part, except for the Aaron Kruger rewrites. Um, and Aaron Kruger, I love the name Kruger. Hate that he <laughs> what he did to Scream 3. Yeah, right? Um, but 4 and 5, what is this thing that as soon as the killer takes off their mask, that they turn into fucking Jack Nicholson from The Shining? And like you can't keep their <laughs> eyebrows down and they're just like, and I'm crazy, and here's what I'm
1: doing and like I yeah, think he's great in Scream point. Five. Jack Race
2: he, he's an amazing villain I, at the end of it. Disagree. He is so really? uncharacteristic really? from the character that he I is. Try, before then. Because he I didn't I get know what he you're was saying. A killer. Yeah. He was given those pages before they filmed because they're worried about leaks. Mm -hmm. Right, right. That he didn't know. So he didn't get to play subtextually that he is this killer who is keeping it in. He played this nerdy boyfriend who was unaware of the stab series in this true story and then is watching the movies. And they're like, hey, BT dubs uh, tomorrow, you're filming that you're the killer. And here's your pages.
0: Yeah, there is a couple, though, so I've said this to JP, there is a couple of, and this is probably just from the directorial perspective, where they cut to him and they cut to her in the hospital sequence. In the uh, editing, when, yes. Yeah, in the editing, and they kind of give each other a look, and so the s- subtext is in the movie, but I can see what you're saying where it's not character-based. Uh, it's to not that extent it's not acted, yeah, it's it's no, not acted in the in the thing at all I, and I agree with you and I think six really showed that off especially for me because I thought the character reveals at the end were so stupid like I was just I was mad like there's when the I line
2: the, you'd like, have no idea how easy it is to replace a body with another dead body and I in the theater my wife had to hit me because I went what <laughs> like uh, yeah how many times did that family fucking change their last name Right, like and he worked for NYPD, and his you son, think there was no red flag, like, <laughs> was a serial killer from a year earlier. They'd have been watching him like a hawk, they'd been watching his family, and they would have seen that. Them, so either Richie had a different last name and changed his last name, or Quinn and the spoiler for Scream 6 Quinn and Dermot Mulrooney had to change their last name, but their other son who ended up being the roommates with um, the Meeks twins definitely changed his last name. And like the FBI with their folder of the Woodsboro murders and the fucking ghost face killers, Kirby at least would have been like, Hey, what's up with this family changing their last name three different times. There's some red flags here.
0: Right? Like she comes in, she comes in as FBI from what Georgia. And you're like, you think, you think she'd have like a handle on this whole situation. The minute she walks in going,
2: it's you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like- it's the killer is creepy. Dead. There's, I mean, there was, <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting where uh, I don't like scream five. I really don't like scream six. Um, I rewatched scream five after listening to the podcast with Gorley and rust and where I thought scream five was similar in ways to 2018, uh, Halloween, I realized through their podcast they point out the similarities between Scream 5 and The Last Jedi. And it makes even more sense when you examine how many Ryan Johnson jokes they make. Yeah. <laughs> that Scream 5 yeah. is very similar to The Last Jedi, even to Dewey yeah. being a pseudo Luke. That you know what's if-
0: funny is a lot yep. of this is in okay. my, re- I had to do a spoiler free review for five when it came out. And that okay. was literally where I went was I went right to star Wars. I was like, this is the scream version of, of a star Wars reboot because that's exactly what it's doing. It does it do it a little bit better. I think it does. Mm-hmm. I think five does uh-huh. anyway. I don't know that six does. I think, I think a lot of people have a real love for six and that's cool. It does a lot of things. Differently. I love
2: that people like it. I am never if if I dislike something, my biggest um, my biggest dislike of six is that they squandered a 10 minute opening that could have been the storyline for the whole movie. I think that opening in the plot, the the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern idea of the we could have followed the killers the whole movie and they could have been the final girls that could have been a whole plot for a movie. And they did it in 10 minutes.
0: It's really funny that you said that. Cause I think I said that to JP when we did our screen podcast, I was like, wouldn't it be cool to see that? Like if we followed mm-hmm. them instead of followed the, the kids, I think that that would have been a, such a better. Or a better
2: even. Point. So a friend of mine said, well, what if they even just did it halfway where we still yeah. get the great line mm-hmm. of like okay. who cares about fucking movies and they get killed. What if that had been the middle of the movie? You'd have been like, I don't know what's going on. Like, what is is happening? Yeah, Mm there are no rules in this. It had been so innovative. And then I thought they were going to do, and they didn't. I thought they were going to keep the reveal. I will say, spoiler, I saw the killer reveal before I went and saw the movie. And I thought they must have revealed it. They must have released it. Because they know how much stuff gets leaked, that, that is not actually the the ending. That is actually not the killer reveal. That is one of the possibilities that they had filmed. Mm-hmm. Now, when they in the in the leak, they didn't show who the third killer was. I was like, this is brilliant. They're gonna keep one of the killers a secret for the next movie. We're not gonna know who one of them we're just gonna know that there were three ghost faces. Yeah. But we're yeah. not gonna know who one of them was. And they're gonna scamper that'd away interesting. and like, that'd have been great.
0: Would but have been the, awesome. yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, yeah. that's sort of the, the Friday, the 13th, um, Tommy Jarvis like situation, right? Like where it leaks into the, to the other ones Part like, five you know, and sudden, six, yeah. in the middle of the series, there's all of a sudden this continuity as opposed to like Adrian mm-hmm. King in the second film just gets killed right off. And we're back to, you know, it's just, we're just following Jason. Um, mm-hmm. I was thinking maybe even scream could do that. Uh, Sort of follow Woodsboro, like go back to Woodsboro and just it could just be killers and in, in the kids. I mean, not well, that anybody like, wants it, that, but not it's back to something. welcome back
2: to the screencast But <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> someone pointed out that, uh, two things that the series, the the Radio Fly guys, um, uh, are calculating, uh, are calculatively keeping, um, uh, the actors busy while they make the universal movie and general Ortega's is like, I'm really busy. Cause I'm the hottest thing since sliced bread right now Yeah, that they're trying to bake in time until they make the third one of their trilogy, which I think this maybe could have stayed in the oven a little bit longer, but they pointed out that this series is following a requel track of the original where the first or scream five was very much like a Wes Craven. Scream six wasn't trying to be like the West Craven screams. It was its own pace and blah, blah, blah. But it had a lot of similarities to scream two.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you
2: think scream three is going to go back to Hollywood and no longer is it the horror franchise. It's the mini series. It's the true crime mini series for like a Netflix or stream. <laughs> Do you think that yeah. they'll just get all the people from the MTV show? Like,
0: that's what, that's what some
2: of the people talked about. And they're like some people that I've talked to. And I'm like, you know what? I don't, I don't put it like against them that they would even do that. If they're, if they're mimicking the franchise, it's just when they killed Chad, when they killed Chad in scream six, I was just like, okay, this is another, another star Wars comparison. If scream five was last Jedi scream six was rise of Skywalker because when they killed Chad, that's Chewbacca.
1: Oh, okay.
2: Okay. I mean, okay, it's Chewy in Scream Two mm-hmm. and in Scream One. Right. Right. Like yeah. for the first time, I was just like, "Oh, holy shit, that's badass looking with the two ghost faces mm-hmm. right there." Yeah. The, yeah. the yeah. sheeny like, mm-hmm. but I was like, "Oh my god, I really like him." And then, no, nope, he's not dead. Like everything that had a little bit of weight, like the like Chewbacca blowing up in the, in the the the
0: the the yeah imperial, uh, the ship, cruiser, the aerial cruiser, yeah. Yeah, yeah
2: cruiser. Like doesn't matter, but anyway, Scream, <laughs> Evil <laughs> Dead Rise. I know I could just sound like a hater all day. Are you I not like
1: Evil Dead Rise either.
2: I liked the uh, the other. I liked the Evil Dead before it, twenty thirteen. Oh god, yeah. But you know, maybe I'm fucking nuts. I don't know.
0: Mm-hmm. Maybe. <laughs> I
2: like I'm I like glad. Rise, I,
0: but it, um, I, did fall, I did I did mm-hmm. tell JP I kind of I kind of wanted to fall asleep a little when the, especially when the action started. Yeah, so, but did you say that like, you were just really I, tired in general. I was, but at the same time, I, I should I should watch it again. I because I there are parts of me that go I do think that it's a little repetitive.
2: It's the same note. Yeah. It's the same. Like the there's not enough story, and you don't give a fuck about the characters. Oh, the the characters are
1: great. I I like the (laughs) characters.
2: Oh, this is Stephanie. Stephanie, I'm going to say this over and over again. Stephanie, like, (laughs) oh my god, (laughs) and like, give me some Elm Street stuff. So when she's chewing on the glass, like it—that is the first movie that I watched that I felt like I was like, this might have been written by an AI robot. Really? Oh wow! This has all the oh, finger wow. on the pulses of like all of the like. Well, we need to have some androgynous kids. We need to have a tat, tatted up mom. Like, I don't, I, I, I don't know. But you here it's I playing mean, to the horror movie base based on hot take. Like, I don't like. something my friend asked me, he's like, if you were brought in to, to pitch the next Evil Dead movie, what would you do? And I said, here is my first question: What is the Evil Dead franchise? I mean, it's Ash. Like it's not it's not these movies. Like we're now getting into anthology territory, but Mm -hmm. if you're not gonna include Ash, and like part of me is what I would do is I would include Ash in a small way, kind of a la Batman Beyond kind of way. I would introduce an old Mm -hmm. Ash who's more of a gatekeeper handing like the torch off. But I think the evil, the Sam Raimi evil dead series is a fantastic series. As far as experimental filmmaking goes with each movie, he experimented with what kind of genre he wanted to do. Army of darkness Mm -hmm. is one of the first superhero movies, first well-executed superhero movies that I've ever seen kind of in the the eyes of how we see superhero superhero movies now. Mm -hmm. So, So one of the movies I did
0: watch, uh, this weekend uh this morning as i was telling jp earlier was a uh, dunwich horror yeah and it's amazing to me how much evil dead is Ripped in that, that. In, yeah yeah it's uh, like so i mean i've always thought evil dead was lovecraftian anyway but there's this is like even dunwich horror has like the uh there's a shot of the camera moving through the trees that mm-hmm. is just like oh shit that's where he got it like <laughs> like it's just it's obvious and then um there's even lines
2: right. in it that like a sub sub break off of that is yeah. Ramey gets praised for the homages that people don't recognize. Tarantino gets dragged through the mud. Just saying these film students of the 80s, of, like, the Coen brothers, Tarantino, and Raimi. Like, Tarantino is the one that gets shit on because they're just like, well, here's the scene you you ripped off from Tru- Truffaut, or, like, here's the scene you ripped yeah. off from Godard. Here's the scene you ripped off from Igmar Bergman or whatever. And it's just like, yeah, Raimi was doing the same thing. The best. Oh,
0: they, I, I, I think everybody does. I, don't,
2: I exactly. don't think that there's anything out there that is,
0: like, 100%, like... By the book originality you know what i mean like yeah. there's some stuff that you go okay yeah this is obvious that it's this but i'm trying to the other thing is now now as we're older right like as opposed to those 20 something kids that might have been watching these films and going hey now um
2: and it's I mean, at our also, fingertips like yeah exactly it's there. Would so accessible find it accessibly and just be like wait I think that looks like this. We're back in that. It was like, you'd have to go to an art house screening or you'd have to go to a revival house screening to see it on the screen and then write it down or take notes or take the mental picture. Or nowadays we can call it out and just be like, Hey, hey, hey yeah. you're ripping off John Ford because this scene right here, blah, blah, blah. Yeah.
0: yeah but yeah, so, that, you know. but I think that that's great because a lot of the time when we get that, when we get those uh, homages, I mean, sometimes they can just be, blatant rip off, especially if the director denies it. <laughs> you go, you're like, yeah. what are you doing? Just say, yes, of course it is. Go see this movie. This is a movie that was a main influence on the film. And that's all you have to say. Yeah. go see. It. Well, so
2: my thing is too, is um, I like the idea of anyone who does that. And they say, I also think only bad movies should be remade. So not a bad movie, but a movie that didn't do well is Cape fear. And the original version didn't do well, bankrupted Gregory Peck's production company, but Scorsese remade it. I don't think the Scorsese remake is better, but that is the kind of movie that didn't get it, the original didn't get enough attention that Scorsese loved that he's like, "Let's shine a light on it by remaking it and let's do it." Yeah, I think that is similar like you should go back and I think that's like what Tarantino Sam Raimi and people are doing of these movies that didn't get enough love or attention that had a couple set pieces or interesting ideas that they're taking visual cues from or storylines from and they're going look as a whole these things might not have worked but look at what I'm doing with it and now go back and let's look at those and study them like I did and see how you can be influenced by things that may not even stand the test of time, but that were still influential and had great things to learn from. I will also watch
0: anything. Robert Mitchum is the bad guy in so oh, um, night of the
2: Hunter. I'm serious. I, I, That's Knight one of my, of my favorites Hunter. of That's all time. One, yeah. uh, <laughs> have you um, watched? Um, oh my God. Why, why am I blanking on it? Um, ace, or maybe it's not ace. He plays a, a priest again. And it's his brother got killed in a poker game with a, or five-card stud. I think it's five-card stud with Roddy no, McDowell, and see, Dean no. Martin. I
1: haven't seen that one now. Oh, that sounds Roddy like McDowell, something like. Dean
2: Martin, Robert Mitchum. Robert Mitchum plays a priest again, and he joins this poker game with Dean Martin, Roddy McDowell, and a couple other people. His brother had gotten accused of cheating in the game, and he was taken out and hung for it. And he's trying to figure out which one of the people that he's playing with now is the person that took him to be hung. Okay. And it's... It's phenomenal. Like Robert Mitchum is such an underrated. He can play. I think he could have played Gregory Peck's role in Cape Fear. Yeah, he could I have gone either, either side. But Knight of the Hunter, visually and even the directing in that movie is way ahead of its time. And then his acting in it is so creepy.
0: Yeah, and the that's Charles Lawton I think directed that, and yes. it's the yeah. only film he directed. I, yeah. I, I don't understand why I'm um, like, that's what well, that one just uh, crushed me. Like I watched that, I was, I'm yeah. well, um, just in it it. That movie you just they, get into. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I, from what I remember here, I think it wasn't super well received at its, you know, when it came out. So that's why he didn't yeah. direct
0: anything else. Mm.
2: It's it, a similar, um, so.
0: there's also, um, I think Charles Lawton was gay. And I think that there was a, um, mm. I think that was a stigma. Some well. biases
2: against that, which
0: right, mm-hmm.
2: yeah. there, that's some of my favorite um, little bit of subtext and older horror is the flirtation with sexuality being horrific. So even in like psycho or even in peeping yeah. Tom or even in, you know, different yeah. movies of the fifties or sixties that is flirting with the idea or I mean, I guess fucking even Leatherface in Texas Chainsaw. He has taken on the matriarchal portion of that family, which there's a little bit of queer queerness in that with how the rest mm-hmm. of the family even treats Leatherface. And he's the well, biggest guess... fucking like person in the family.
0: And mm-hmm. as we get into the
2: sequels, I think that becomes a bigger Uh, piece of of
0: those movies
2: yeah by next generation it's really leaned into and i think what's funny about that is even the poster art with the chainsaw uh lipstick where people are just like oh i'm not that was one of the first times so in the vhs land because that movie was released i think four years after it was made once reese witherspoon or not reese witherspoon um renee Renee zelweger yeah and uh matthew mcconaughey hit their stardom they released the movie finally and that's the first time I remember hearing fans before the internet, like conventions and stuff, being like, "Oh, do you see that like cross-dressing Leatherface and Next Generation?" Like, "Oh, that's not my Leatherface." And then I go back it's and really? watch it and be like, "Leatherface has multiple masks for every occasion. Like he has his mother mask when they sit down for dinner." Yeah, and he's like, got then, the
0: earrings and he's got the wig on. Yeah, like everything.
2: Yeah, like, yeah, that's part. It's like within now with the Internet, because my big thing is the times never change. They may be amplified and in stereo, but like the times never change. Like Candyman, when people went off the rails about the Jordan Peele produced co-written Candyman, they're just like, oh, I, what does what uh, Candyman have to do with race? And like, <laughs> and like and all this, yeah, and like, like, did you not see the original Candyman. <laughs>
0: uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Candyman's gone to woke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, you oh, should man. you should go back and watch the the original. But so just just rewatch. Mm-hmm. Just go. It's back the same watch. people
2: that do not see the social commentaries in the George Romero zombie movies. Yeah. We are just yeah. like, I love those movies where people eat people. And it's like, they're saying a little bit more. Yeah, there's a lot going a on there. Uh,
0: but anyway, we should probably talk about this movie. Uh, yeah, I guess.
2: Uh, <laughs> After all of your listeners <laughs> have, have <laughs> been like, I'm done yeah, with I this broadcast <laughs> telling me about what <laughs> I I I'm
0: about. The yeah. <laughs> Let's get into the motel hell stuff, you know, that's not
2: anywhere near that as <laughs> it is because it. i think it is a um it's the smartest earliest what? horror movie that i feel is like satirical of a genre that really had yet to explode that was like ready to explode and it already is a commentary of what is going to end up coming and the only thing that I can feel that did happen there was already southern horror with like a Texas chainsaw or I spit on your grave where it's like, oh, you don't go down these back streets because you don't ever know what kind of crazy hillbillies are gonna be there.
0: Yeah, I suppose, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah. It's it is more um it is more on the satirical end of of horror for sure.
2: Ricky, what's this movie about?
0: <laughs> can what's you give us a the-
2: synopsis? What's the movie about? Um, it is about Vincent and Ida, who are uh, motel entrepreneurs who host a roadside motel on the outskirts of, I don't know if it's a big city or a small city or locationally.
0: They I just, just yeah, kind of like, it's, it's the city
2: that's the city. city. It's just like this small town. It's like right before the small town, even though we really don't explore the small town where they have. I mean, it's kind of a bed and breakfast slash prototypical winery vineyard where it's just like they have everything like they have a little shop. They have meats. They have like it's kind of one stop shop kind of place, uh, a kitschy kind of place that nowadays would be I would love to see a remake where this is like has billboards out on the main highways before people pull off. Mm. And it's like, Mm -hmm. get your small town, like smoked meats and blah, blah, and candles or whatever. And it's all made with like people fat and whatnot. Um, (laughs) that's kind of a great idea. (laughs) Again, I think this movie is the reason why I talk about it. And the reason why I think other people still talk about it, besides the iconography of the look of like the pig's head at the end. Um, the the people being buried up to their head with their larynx cut and the satirical nature is that it's way ahead of its time that it is almost a commentary in a time that didn't exist yet, or that has always existed. Like I, I just said before. Um, so farmer Vincent and his sister Ida run this motel. And as people come and stay there, they then harvest the bodies to then make their, their own meat uh farmer vincent's fritters or something critters and there's a slogan it's the
0: the fritters yeah
2: yeah and so they're they're making this meat out of people and it's the the best meat to people and their their brother who's the local town sheriff or deputy
0: sheriff i think yeah i think it's just a small town sheriff
2: Mm-hmm. many years removed sheriff young good-looking <laughs> guy gets jealous when a local woman who vincent has decided not to kill she he's killed her her boyfriend but he has taken a liking to her um and is going to groom her basically as his bride um the young sheriff brother decides that uh, now is the time to start investigating what's going on up there because I cannot understand why she would ever be interested in someone like you. We see vignettes of Vincent and Ida capturing their, their prey, their crops, their human crops, and the scooby Dooish like investigation that the sheriff brother does to uncover the horrors that are actually going on at Motel Hello
0: did i know it
2: i think you nailed it right.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> yep yeah pretty much, so, pretty Motel much. Hell
2: is bonkers because i put it in the same it's very similar in the year that it came out and i think that was the zeitgeist and it's crazy to see how um aware the genre the creators of the genre were only a couple years into the they did not even reached the zenith because like so halloween comes out in 78 now that is Always what is miscategorized as starting the genre. You got to go back to Black Christmas and Texas Chainsaw. Oh, Um, yeah. and Also, let's see. um, We were
0: talking about it not that long ago. JP was uh, Peeping Tom, I think, is also. Oh, yeah. Well, Peeping Tom
2: and Psycho. It's crazy that both those movies come out in the same year and one movie catapults a director's career and the other one sinks it. Yeah, and they're very similar films. Like Very similar. Yeah, in a lot of ways. One is
0: sweatier. Oh, for sure. <laughs> One yeah. is a little bit yeah. scuzzier <laughs> yes. uh, around the uh, the seams, and I think that that's it. And I think that the the title alone does that to a lot of people. But that's, that's sort of where we are just in society, too, right? If something looks and sounds a certain way, mm-hmm. we're like, oh, we're, we're not going to touch it. I mean, uh, I
2: mean, to backseat, like, review those two films, I think one of those movies sticks the landing and the other one doesn't. Um, but I also think Peeping Tom also, even though Alfred Hitchcock, obviously a British filmmaker, had become Americanized, he knew the kind of ending that he needed based off of his pedigree of what he had already done with suspense thrillers, of what he needed to do to satiate the American audiences where peeping Tom being still a fully British production just kept on spiraling into the lasciviousness that the whole movie purports. Like yeah. it's going that way and it continues that way that the killer is a dirty peeping Tom where Norman is, they use the excuse of almost him spinning out of control, psychoanalytic. Analytically, that they even have that that the final scene which is questioned, and I question it, and I'm not sure, and you you can't ever answer it because you can never see a movie again for the first time. Should Psycho end with that final scene of the doctor explaining Norman's psychosis? Now that scene exists because the audience needed it. The audience needed to be explained what the fuck is going on. Mm-hmm. We're peeping Tom, we just see more of how deranged and how perverse this guy is up until the ending. And so I feel like that's where the movies differ. One is a little bit more masterfully, masterfully artistically done. Um, But to get back to Motel Hell, (laughs) we've had all of those. Halloween is not the beginner of the slasher series. It's just where it caught fire and it made a lot of money, Mm. That it made studios aware. It made Paramount aware that they were going to make Friday the 13th. It made Universal aware that they were going to make the rights for Halloween 2. But what's interesting to me is you also have Slumber Party Massacre, which was originally written as a satire written by yeah, a woman it still
0: has some of it. And
2: it, like, I think it's pretty, I think it's still pretty good. It's, it's still very satirical, but when it was made, they were like, Oh, we want to distance ourselves from this being a commentary on the genre, which not enough people are even aware of. Cause it's just kind of igniting right now. But motel hell, I think similarly is a satire of Texas chainsaw and these other kind of horror movies that came before it, but we're only in, what, 1980, 1981? Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to do. I mean, I, I with Motel Hell, I kind of saw a little bit
0: of, there's a little bit of Psycho in this, too. Yeah, um, it's definitely though. both, yeah. Um, my, okay, so my biggest problem with it is that it's it's not... Why do you have to
2: bring it a, down. Why can't
0: you celebrate <laughs> it? hold on, on, on. on hold on. Hold on. So, so let me just, let me just do this bit. It and
2: it the... I've been watching it for thirty fucking years,
0: but but uh, no, all I'm saying is it's not even a motel movie. It has they, they spent five minutes in the motel. There's never anything in the motel. It's it's a meat. It's it's a meat cleaver yes. movie. The it's motel not a meat garden movie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's butcher time. Like it. What's the your motel, hell?
2: I think, is I, is being a writer, and I'm not even saying I'm a good writer, because I'm a writer-director, which means I write in the way of, I know I'm going to produce this thing, so I'm not a great writer. I'm a good person who uh, helps the director make the thing, because the writer is almost a second thought. I'm the director who's like, I need some material, and then I tap into my writer. I think the motel aspect was purely, how do we excuse getting people to this environment i think it was a convention which well they did say
0: i did look up some of the the stuff on the back and the original screenplay was a whole lot more says it was a whole lot darker and had a disturbing storyline with bestiality and a lot more violence and was not a black comedy at all yeah um that's all it says in the trivia portion of imdb but but I was like oh okay and Toby Hooper was originally uh on to direct it I did I, I did see that. see
2: that yeah which if you if you've seen Eaten Alive or Texas Chainsaw 2 this would have I think this would have been the perfect Toby Hooper where yep. I think there's that's why there's such controversy on is Poltergeist a Spielberg movie or is it a Toby Hooper movie mm-hmm. Toby yes. Hooper's um Next best film to Texas Chainsaw, I think, is Poltergeist, and that is heavily, you know, talked about as being possibly a Spielberg movie. So maybe mm-hmm. it's not even a Toby Hooper movie, so maybe Toby Hooper's best stuff is Texas Chainsaw. But the idea that Texas Chainsaw felt so real, and that he was aware of that, that he made Eaton Alive purely on a soundstage to not feel real, to feel theatrical, to feel surreal is definitely, it speaks to the creator's brain. And so, with Motel Hell, what I have to give it props for is what it feels like it's recognition of a genre that it didn't even fully realize existed yet. And the humor doesn't hit, but I wonder if it leaned too heavily into the humor and not enough into the the macabre. J.P., what is your favorite and least favorite thing about this movie? Like, I know you've watched mother's day. I know you have seen yeah. some <laughs> shit now. It is like similar to this in the satirical nature of like recognizing what the genre is and then trying to exploit that genre. Or does it, does this feel like a, a genre that you've not been aware of, of like a Southern, Like, rollicking. I mean, there's also been, um, unbeknownst to us in the horror genre, there has been, like, the Farmer's Daughters kind of movies that we've not watched as much. Like, I've seen a few of them, but, like, almost like a Russ Myers movie that were played in Drive-Ins of the South that I think this is more akin to. But what did you, did you feel, like, tonally that this was weird and off and more comedic? or did you feel that this was right on track for what it needed to be like what was your overall feeling by the time you were done watching it
1: yeah uh so my my overall feeling about the movie is that um it's it's a comedy that didn't make me laugh very much uh, <laughs> <laughs> there there were there was that one part where um where the sheriff he 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 uh he he goes to rescue Terry and then she says that uh, she said they're getting married. And then, and then he t- starts like making up this random stuff to try to convince her to not marry him. And he just like starts acting really, really crazy. Uh, and he says, and he says, Vincent has syphilis of the brain. You know, like that scene I thought was, was pretty funny, but other than that, it, it, it wasn't really my kind of humor. Um, so, so so that, you know, uh, is one thing I didn't like about it. Also, I thought the the logic of just pretty much everything that happens there's just not much logic to it. Like like why uh Terry would fall in love with Vincent? Um why uh Vincent and Ida have to plant people in the ground if they're going to kill them and right. <laughs> use them as meat, you 100%. know? Um,
2: yeah, you You're know, so wrong. <laughs> a, like, that is a visual set piece.
1: Yeah, of course. Visual set
2: piece, if I've ever mm-hmm. seen one. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so like that combined with not finding it funny for me makes this not a movie that I'm a big fan of. Um,
2: yeah, I, it, makes it, it makes it a hard watch because yeah, if if you're not into the like subversive like he haulness. Of mm-hmm. all of it, then like you're not on board because it just keeps on going. Like Terry did, So um I think this movie has the same issue, it's not like wholeheartedly the same issue. The same issue is night of the Living Dead, the Barbara issue. Where Barbara mm-hmm. is a non character in the original Night of the Living Dead because she's catatonic. Mm-hmm. Where I oh, love yeah, right. the Tom Savani. Um, Night of the Living Dead even though he had a lot of issues with it because Barbara Mm -hmm. ended up being like a Ripley character in that. She ends up having her own her own like um, courageous like impulses and like I'm going to get out of this and these are the reasons why I'm going to be a character Yeah, it's like a badass
0: final girl for for that movie.
2: Yeah, Mm -hmm. and so Terry in this, I almost seen more Of a, I'm looking for a pseudo father. I'm looking for stability and I need some backstory to why she would glom on to Vincent so much. But it's interesting that this almost reversed Lumber Party Massacred, that they more turned it into a dark comedy with Kevin Connors. That I would have thought that this was more angling towards, because even with Terry, she's subverting... This idea of like, no, there's no way this final girl would be interested in Rory Calhoun. And we're going to, mm-hmm. oh, you don't want to kiss me and you don't want to have sex with me until we're married? Like, that's okay. I mean, I'm totally okay with your weird, like, over-sexualized man-child sister. Like, I'm okay with that. <laughs> like, if she's going to be here, like, that's fine. Yes.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it's a bit of like Stockholm syndrome, isn't it? Yes. Like at that yeah. point, like he's well, my I mean, savior. Is it though? Because like. Lawrence Nightingale, whatever I mean, you like. I mean, Stockholm syndrome is when you're, is it's when you like fall in situation. love
1: yeah, with your kidnapper. But she's not yeah, being she, kidnapped.
0: She doesn't know she's being kidnapped. She is. Well, being I mean, she doesn't know. Yeah, she doesn't know
2: it. Lawrence Nightingale, but, maybe. maybe. But JP is right, though, is. Where I think it's more satirical, and more subversive, is that she is ready to go to fucking Bone Zone, like, immediately. Yeah, she is. <laughs> like, and he's like, no, we gotta be <laughs> married first. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the
0: other part of that that I love is, who was the guy on the bike then? Like, Beau? like an afterthought, like, yeah, Bo, I mean, wasn't she all, all about Bo, and now Bo's gone? and Well, he's, he's dead, dead, dead,
1: so, you know, she, she has to move on.
0: It just then, moves on. I, mean,
2: <laughs> I think I think that is a very satirical commentary on the genre that they are well ahead of their time. Like it's hard to watch this movie when it when it would have come out because we almost now um, coagulate it with all these other eighties horror movies. But if you think of this movie more of coming out in like nineteen eighty eight, that it's more of a commentary on the the genre that is now built up. It's fucking. It's brilliant because then you have the young cop who should be the hero, the brother. Yeah. Yeah. Who should yeah. be the guy that she's just like, yes, please save me from Ida and Vincent. Mm-hmm. Like, they're insane and I'm being held captive. And I am stuck. Maybe I am a little bit stuck home. But that's not the case. She's like, no. Your brother, String Bean, Weirdie McGee, who may be <laughs> married to his sister. Like, <laughs> like, I'm all about him. You need to go. Like, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Well, what I think is so weird about it is that, like, she goes on a date with him to go to that, like, like drive-in movie, quote unquote, yeah. and she yeah. seems to have a good time. Like, she seems to be liking him, but then all of a sudden she just kind of randomly switches to being in love with, with his older brother. So it, it just, it, 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 it's very jarring, the, yeah. the switch.
2: There is, I mean, so again, if, if I'm going to wear the Sean hat of of, of, of uh, <laughs> knocking this down and if you not just, <laughs> I do feel tonally it is not as consistent as I would like it to be in its satire because it mm-hmm. is a little bit jarring between the horror and the satirical nature of the genre, but I almost give them a pass because of how I do look at like, okay, what year did this come out? They're so early. They haven't even... Yeah. Friday the 13th, I think, just came out by the time... That, yeah, it's the same year. It's the same, same year, yeah, 1980, yeah. yeah. And so they haven't even had the chance to reflect on all the holiday movies, on all, like, the the how many movies can we put out that are even horror to get kids to come to, that this is making some wild... I mean, some hee haul swings, some Andy Griffith swings. Oh, of, yeah.
0: There was also, I I thought you, uh, you know, uh, I thought of you right away, too, was uh, when he does kick all the kids out of the uh, sort of lover's lane area, you get that eastbound and down sound as well. Yeah,
2: you get southern exploitation, you get there is there's so many genres that they're playing with. I will I will take them down a, a few marks of I don't know that they're necessarily aware of it that it may have just been happenstance or it may have happened in the editing. But I do think that there are enough, as we would say, smart things that are happening um, subtextually that elevate this and still have us talking about it, whatever, 40 years later that other movies aren't being talked about as far as the subtext and as far as the horror and the iconography of the pig head at the end. Now, again,
1: that, That's pretty
2: cool, yeah. Not to jump ahead, but they're ripping off Texas Chainsaw with the chainsaw fight and, like, the hillbilly Mm -hmm. look. But, and they're also probably doing it out of necessity because they're like, we need a big enough mask to make sure that people know that, or to make sure that we cover up that this is not Rory Calhoun, our 70-year-old actor, (laughs) who is, (laughs) he's not in this chainsaw fight.
0: Yeah. Just to hit on on one note there, uh, Toby Hooper. Like, so I know you're saying with Poltergeist being more of a, a Spielberg movie than a Toby Hooper thing. Like, the other thing is, is you know we're forty years removed from that movie. Actually, literally forty years removed because I, I just saw everything on Facebook saying that that came out forty one years ago. Uh, yesterday, I think. So nice. there's that. Um, and then, um, so maybe Spielberg it took a little bit of the wheel because it was getting too dark or something. Maybe the studio wanted it to be more on the PG end of that spectrum. But, um, I, I also take a look at like invaders from Mars. Um, the remake that he did of that film where Mm -hmm. it's like a kid's, uh, dream. And I go, I can see like, cause invaders from Mars. I remember being a kid watching this movie. This was like my brother's favorite horror movie. Like when we were like six years old and, um, there's like this monster that comes over and eats this, like they're doing like a dissection of frogs in class or something, and then a frog mm-hmm. later comes over and eats the teacher. And like that's like a big thing, and that scared the shit out of us when we were kids, right? So I look at how dark Toby Hoover can go, <laughs> like Texas Chainsaw and any of that, and then I look at like this kind of fun side of toby hoover too like definitely something that would still scare the shit out of me as a kid and i can apply that to poltergeist because poltergeist is still like flipping scary like 40 years and maybe later spielberg,
2: and maybe spielberg did the thing that spielberg as a producer was supposed to do which was to focus because you're right like invaders from mars and then life force or even funhouse start teetering into the little bit of an indulgence mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. Toby Hooper and then but maybe Spielberg what he did as a producer for Poltergeist refocused it to the story and I could see that because you're right it's that's the best argument that I've heard for Toby Hooper being quote unquote the director of Poltergeist is that there are elements of that in his other work around that time of like a life force a fun house or invaders from Mars. Um, There is that sensibility and there's that feeling, but maybe Spielberg either in the script stage or even at the filming stage was just like, okay, your story is the family. The heart is here. The heart is the kids. The heart is the parents and how they're connected to the kids. It's not these dreamscapes. It's not these set pieces. You have to remember that the story is focused here. It is the family. The heart of the family is Heather O'Rourke and the kids, yeah. And he might have been like, "You're right, and let's do that." And so, I can see that being there. And like, what's not there for Motel Hell is, I don't. What is your primary story? Yeah, because well, that- it really it's almost in the in yeah, if that's Where, not a word, it is now. If it, I'm making
0: it one, yeah, Can't for these yeah. purposes. But like, it, it is sort of cut up in a way that there's this sort of romance story that's like the tether, right? And mm-hmm. then there's like the three victims, like the the, the mm-hmm. three vignettes of of what they mm-hmm. do. Um, what does it? Vincent says um, that's when I get my most creative. You know, like he does he does different things to each.
2: So so even that I love is because. There is a part of Vincent that was like beaten into as a child, of like, you're a farmer, you're a provider, you are th- I mean, we don't see this in the movie, but that he even sees his wild, wildy coyote, like roadrunner things, the traps that he sets up as being a way, as being creative, as fully expressing like who Vincent is by trapping these people and making this business grow. So, like, the business himself like itself that of what it is of the motel and the meat is probably something that he and Ida inherited from their father. And it was beaten into them of just like, this is your livelihood. This is your business. But he is like, but I have all this creativity, daddy. Like, I don't want your life. Like I have these idea. <laughs> I want this. I want this prequel, Ricky. I want
0: the Motel Hell prequel, Look, like because it sounds. It sounds like you thought about this, very,
2: like a lot. Because not only is it the Motel Hell prequel, it is also the Open House prequel. That I am not going to say that I have not like tossed around. <laughs> open House is about Broadway musicals, and the Open House prequel is more about folk country music. So
0: yeah
2: <laughs> it is the pearl to our open house
0: i love it so um you just kicked off open house uh this this past week and we did a i obviously did a write-up for it because um i'm excited for you i'm excited to the last time we talked you told me a little bit about it but you didn't really want to get into the weeds with it because i felt like you were holding a little close to the chest and you wanted to make sure that this uh was the right time to come out so um why don't you tell us a
2: little bit more about it? The right story. time to come out. I love that. <laughs> pride weekend. It's like this is the right time to just open the door and come out with the musical. Um, come out singing. It is um, a personal story, as in the way of like all your friends are dead was about the almost multiverse, which is hot right now. Not the reason why we're doing it, but of uh, the what if which I grew up on those comics. I love the what if comics of like, what if Spider-Man had been part of the fantastic four? What if, you know, what if I personally would have gotten hurt in college instead of high school playing sports and would have gotten into drugs, addiction, depression, blah, blah, blah. So this for open house is the what if in Chicago, when I met my wife, Allie, What if instead of just writing her these original musicals that I was inspired to do because I thought her talent was so good. What if we had gotten psychotic and delusional and I had started kidnapping people and workshopping these musicals in a basement of a house. Making them have to see them before we then premiered them on the stages of Chicago. So that's what open house is. What if this reality couple where the wife Missy first had burnt all of her bridges in the community theater doing her productions of South Pacific and Cinderella and whatever. She was a diva. What if her husband decided, well, I'm going to write you original musicals that you can be the star of, and I'll kidnap the audience members, and I'll, I'll, I'll subject them to having to watch us workshop them in the basement of this house that we have for sale. So that's what Open House has become, and the other side of that is this mother and daughter um, homeless couple that have been going house to house, grifting realtors into showing them the the property, so they could then break in later at night and then stay in the house so they could have a roof over their heads. Well, the the storylines converge when we have this mother and daughter and this Mark and Missy first, this reality couple, their paths cross, and they ended up they end up becoming two of the audience members of this delusional psychotic broadway musical that is never ending as we find out from the other torture prisoner victims because they keep on re re and redoing the musical that they're working on
0: i love it (laughs) that's fun (laughs) also i just want to know how close did you become to going psycho while you were in chicago
2: (laughs) i mean so what's crazy is so the first musical we did was a nightmare on backstreet a boy band musical parody which was the music of Backstreet Boys with A Nightmare on Elm Street, which is my favorite horror movie of all time. It was, um, it was a pleasure to do. We sold out every performance. We had to add performances. So we, we by demand, were wanting um, to do another show for Valentine's Day. And so I was like, oh, I think I love the movie. Uh, well, I, mean, I know I love the movie Psycho. I think I could do an 80s musical parody with new age 80s music as the 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 basis for psycho and so we made Bates an 80s musical parody and this is before Bates Motel came out and we were doing we were rehearsing the show and I was just like this show is terrible this show is awful and I was like <laughs> we we put something on stage too early and throughout rehearsal we figured out what the show was and it morphed and that's one of the reason, reasons why I love collaboration is it became what it needed to be but during that time, like, you partially go insane. Kind of where I am right now with the Kickstarter for Open House is the wheels are already moving. This thing is going to happen. There is a date that this thing's going to be released or this thing is going to start rolling film on. And, like, this Kickstarter for Open House, it's if we don't reach our goal, we're still going to make this movie. I don't know how, but we'll figure that out then. But so, like, for the, the show Bates... We already had this surge of interest from A Nightmare on Backstreet. We're like, we're opening on this date. we got to figure out how to make the best entertaining show as possible. And we did. And we ended up selling out all of those shows. So for Open House, I know all the wheels are in motion. I know everyone's already committed. I know when we're going to start rehearsing. I know when we're going to start filming. But like, the budget's not there because we need it from the Kickstarter but I know it's all going to happen and that's just I guess the Tony Robbins like energy of positive thinking that we have to do Yeah,
0: Bobby Mackey's uh um what is it about that place that like that you wanted to film there like I mean obviously has a haunted history uh mobsters uh
2: Beheading, (laughs) butcher (laughs) shop, slaughterhouse rather. Um, none of that has anything to do with why we're filming there. Why we're filming there is when you're making a micro micro budget to no budget movie, you have to use what you can get access to. And one of our executive producers is Mike Flincham who appeared in all your friends are dead. He played hardware store. Bob, if you've seen it. Oh, Um,
0: Hey, Mm -hmm.
1: yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) He's considered one of the best parts. Uh, he will be making a return in Open House. Is he going to be Hardware Store Bob? He's. Okay. Do you not want to tell me? You don't have to tell me. I'll just cut He's this. A bigger part. <laughs> so you saw the mask. I sent you the picture of the of the mask. There is a storyline that is reoccurring throughout the movie about a faux restaurant called Sweetmeats. And it is a breakfast like Bob Evans kind of place where they have a Colonel Sanders slash Dave Thomas um, image of an entrepreneur who is called Bob Sweets. Well, Bob Hardware Store Bob is the great is the grandson of Bob Sweets. So he's Bob Sweets the third, but he's missing an eye now. Because his eye got popped out and all your friends are dead. So he wears an eye patch. And he runs a chain of restaurants called Sweet Meats. Because his grandfather, Bob Sweets, and this is all... So... Within the universe, it makes sense without like you having to know too much. But Mike Flincham's grandfather is Bobby Mackey. So... So, uh, (laughs) This is great. Bobby Mackey and... You don't have to cut this out. We've already got a soft confirmation. He's going to be Bob Sweets, the first in the movie of visuals of like cardboard cutouts and in the in the image of Sweet Meats of this restaurant. And that pig mask is part of, uh, and I can send you this too, the logo that we have for Sweet Meats, the restaurant that appears in the movie that there's little commercials to. Um, and there's a reason why the reality couple is cutting up people and eating their flesh, and using a tub to contain the rest of the flesh that has a sticker of sweet meats on it. And that's why I picked Motel Hell <laughs> as the movie. It will I mean, all make it, sense. It, I swear, it all you. comes together. And the reason, like everything that we're part of, the reason why I wanted to talk about the movie was all the negatives of why, like the humor doesn't work the story doesn't work and blah, blah, blah. Cause I am trying to course correct all of that stuff with open house with how I incorporate it in the movie. I want it to feel seamless and I want the humor to be there without it being overbearing and too like weird and uh, motel hell seems a little unfocused with its humor and how it uses the cannibalism. And so I'm trying to do that a little bit better in open house Um, But the reason why we picked Bobby Mackey's is the basement without any, when you're making a micro budget, no budget movie, you have to look for places you can use that have the production value there and the basement has the production value there. Like we did a video of the basement and we showed it to a few people and they're just like, Oh my God, you guys have already set decorated it so amazingly. Like it looks so good. And like, no, we did nothing. It looks like a hostile torture basement already, so that's why we're using it. And we no, have act- awesome. So it's just a perfect confluence of use what you have. So like if Kevin Smith in ninety three makes Clerks, he has a quick stop. We in twenty twenty three, we have the basement of Bobby Mackey's, and if it gives us a little bit of cachet of being like a place that's already known as being haunted, hopefully that helps
0: sweet nice
2: nice sweet meats
0: sweet meats i can't wait to see the um hardware sir bob again that's
2: (laughs) i'm all for that um that's when whenever anybody has seen the the movie live like when i've been in the audience that's the scene they laugh at the most and I'm just like, this dumb motherfucker, like people think this is, the. Best. I was like, all right, like, sure. It's, it's yeah.
0: just situational. I mean, we've all been in that spot where we're either in a rush to get out of someplace or we're having the worst day of our lives. And this, this guy shows up and we're like, could we just pay for the goddamn thing and we
2: get the fuck and out of here? When please. he came back in the second half of the movie. <laughs> when Matt Wilby's getting his retribution. Yeah. And Bob comes back. I have been in like at least five screenings where people are just like, yes, yes. <laughs> and like it happens. And I'm just like, all right. And so like when I started writing this, when I started writing Open House, I had these uh, reoccurring commercials for sweetmeats in this restaurant that are within this world. And then I tucked in into to my partner, because at one time we have a relationship with Joe Bob Briggs. And we're like, wouldn't Joe Bob be an amazing Bob Sweets? I mean, his name's already Bob. And I was like, but hear me out. What if we got high on our own farts and we brought back hardware store Bob and he was Sweet Meats Bob just with an eye patch because he lost his eye and all your friends are dead. He's not technically dead. Yeah. He's your parent. And Nick Hines was just like, God, I fucking hate you. He's like, yeah, it should be Sweet Meats Bob. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no it's great it's great like I, I love it i think that that's fantastic i love little things like that though that connects mm-hmm. the movies together I, I enjoy that so that'll be fun.
2: on our imdb trivia like <laughs> first bob first appeared and all your friends are dead yeah and well, we even have written, we have written in the script he starts out his because it's a series of commercials local commercials so the reality couple, Mark and Missy first, have reality commercials that appear throughout the, the movie. Um, Sweet Meats also has little commercials, little personal um, local spots that appear throughout the, the movie. And you end up finding out how they're connected to the reality couple. But each one starts off with, oh, hey there. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Same line as, yeah.
0: Nice. Oh, Hey. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I think we're gonna wrap it up here. And uh, Ricky, thank you so much for uh, for doing this and and just being who you are. You're you're amazing, and and we wish you the best with the Kickstarter. Um, yeah. Thank you guys. All right. So, uh, Ricky, we'll have all of your um, media and everything. You will have your Kickstarter pitch and everything right on down in the uh, the Spotify. Board. Whatever mm-hmm. it is, the details, yeah. 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 Right yeah. underneath yeah. us. So like uh yeah, uh click in there, check out the Kickstarter, check out uh check out all of Ricky's comedy because uh I see your stuff on Instagram all the time and I laugh my ass off. So um check out everything. <laughs> In two weeks, we are going to have uh, we are going to be joined by Dane Alcar, Dana Berger, and Max Wortendyke from the film Brightwood, which is now touring the festival circuit, and uh, we will we will have them on. The last movie that they discussed was Stalker, but that has not been confirmed. It's going to be fun. All right. See you next time.
1: All right. Bye, bye, guys.